Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether you're looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to episode three of the EQ Elevator podcast. Excited to be back here. And today we're going to discuss quite a sensitive topic for many, but one that a lot of women, also men, face in the workplace, which is verbal microaggression. So I got a challenge from Maria. Maria is a fictitious name for someone who works in communication and marketing of an IT company. So in this podcast, I workplace challenges in STEM, whether you are or you have a STEM background or whether you work in a STEM environment, that is what I discuss in this podcast because this is what my industry is, where I focus on. And especially in these environments where technical expertise, where we use a lot of our analytical capabilities, rational thinking, the, I don't like to call them soft skills, but soft skills is what everyone still resonates with. These interpersonal skills, these human skills are becoming more and more important in order to put our technical genius, our critical genius, our analytical genius into action within a collective, using social intelligence skills, using interpersonal relation skills, so we can collaborate more effectively and efficiently in this high-pressure environment, and especially when dealing with digitalization challenges. Maria has a specific challenge that she works in the marketing and communication department, and the head of the department is quite, in her words, technical oriented and comes across as detached and cold while Maria is much more in her emotive side doesn't necessarily mean that she's emotional all the time but she values the connection with people she's very expressive and what I understand from Maria is that the head of her department keeps telling her that she is too emotional and she should stop being emotional and grow up, which Maria obviously uh, perceives as a verbal microaggression. For definition purposes, what is the official definition that we can find generally accepted is that microaggressions are subtle, often unintentional comments or actions that communicate bias or reinforce stereotypes. Now, when we look at the part emotional, I think many women can resonate that often women are called too emotional or they are the emotional intelligence. While in essence, there have been studies that have showed that 
on average, there's no difference between gender, and I'm talking here about the male gender and the female gender, biologically. There's no difference between the two, so on average, it's the same. However, they have found a slightly different variation that women value more empathy, social responsibility, interpersonal relationship skills, versus men value more assertiveness, self-regard, and uh, problem-solving. Now, when we look at the STEM industry in general, it's a highly analytical environment, meaning that the, the intellectual capacity, the rational capacity, the critical thinking abilities is highly valued and necessary in order to implement digitalization, uh, to advance the technology. It is very much in our head. And this is not to say that Anyone who works in STEM doesn't have emotive part of the brain. We all have. But perhaps it is more challenging to also use that part of our brain, to also consider the impact, in this case, of our words that has our English, Nadia, that <laughs> our words have on other people. So in Maria's case, from what I understand from her, and Maria is a fictitious name, is very passionate. She comes from a Latin background and she loves to speak with passion. She, she doesn't shy away from showing emotions when she's frustrated, when she's joyful. And from what I understand that it doesn't go so well with her head of department. And he comes across as very cold and detached. And whenever they have discussions where she needs his input or where she needs to move forward, he asks her for more information, for more data, for more statistics, which makes her feel not trusted, makes her feel unappreciated, makes her feel incompetent. And whenever she gets heightened up about it, let's say, then he accuses her of being too emotional, which I think many women can resonate that uh, often we are called too emotional when we show our emotions in one way or the other. And this is a myth, this is a, a typical stereotype belief, because when we look at the research, on average, there's no difference between men and women when it comes to levels of emotional intelligence. They have found some differences within what, in general, men prefer, value, assertiveness, problem solving, self-regard, obviously. I say obviously, then this was an unintentional Microverbal aggression from Nadia to the men because I am assuming that it is a given for men. And this is unintentional. So, I, And I think once we become aware of that, at times it is really unintentional. People mean well. At times people don't mean well and they do use it as a means in order to reinforce stereotype beliefs or create exclusion. Now, I'm going to use Maria's challenge as an example as a framework to help you, anyone who can resonate with Maria, but also anyone who can resonate with the head of department, Maria's boss, because this podcast is meant to build bridges, not to burn bridges, and to give you new perspectives so we can make more informed decisions and that are less based on bias, on stereotype beliefs, and more based on our humanity side of it. Because at the end of the day, we are all human beings, no matter our background, no matter our education, at the core of our essence, we are human beings. And we make mistakes, we mess up, 
we say things we shouldn't say. There is a lot of stress also going on there, a lot of competing responsibility. This puts mental pressure as well. So I think more understanding, learning how to communicate with each other in a way that you know, we let people know how it makes us feel and find common ground to move forward is already a great step forward. So Maria, I'm going to refer to Maria, but obviously anyone who resonates, when we go on the first floor of the EQ elevator. So for those who just tune in, I recommend you listen to the first episode where I explain what the EQ elevator is. It's a framework where we look at challenges from five different floors, from five different perspectives. This is what I mean by elevating leadership. I don't believe leadership is broken and needs to be fixed. I do believe we need to elevate and look at things from different perspectives, higher perspectives in a business form, not in a spiritual form. So this is what I mean with elevating uh, your leadership by taking the EQ elevator. So if we hop on, I don't know if you hop on the elevator or you get in the elevator, maybe I should ask ChatGPT. <laughs> so you get in the elevator and you look at it from your perspective. And here you can use the EQ tool of self-regard. First, I'm going to explain, not necessarily judge the situation, right? I'm not justifying any behavior. I'm giving you the tools for each and every one of you who resonate to look at it through this tool. So self-regard can help you better understand when, in this case, your head of department, Maria, calls you too emotional, what thoughts, subconscious thoughts come up? How does it make you feel? Right. I also was many times in this situation before, and I got emotional as well. And my challenge was that Initially, I, I used my background, so I'm Mediterranean, Arab, fire, as a way of saying, this is my personality, this is who I am. And it's nothing to do with emotional, but I'm just much more in my uh, emotions and I'm much more in my passion. And if you can deal with it, that's your issue. This was the mindset I had years back before I started using actually a much better framework in navigating it, which is the, 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 the emotional intelligence. So I separated my personality, what, what I value in myself, what I learned, what is inherently mine, and my behavior. And emotional intelligence is all about behavior. So instead of saying that this is who you are, I am just emotional, this is who I am, look at it from the behavioral perspective. Maybe you have, in my case, I had low levels of impulse control. So the time between my triggered emotion and the behavior was short. So at least it gives me enough information to regulate my impulse control, right? In, related to the context, related to each and every situation. Now, I do get sometimes feedback or I hear people say, oh, Nadia, that is too mechanical, that is too manipulative, and that is too robot-like. But actually, what they're saying if we are brutally honest and frank, is it's complacency. Because if you come with the mindset that this is who I am and people need to accept me for who I am as an excuse for inclusion, you are denying the fact that you're not willing to put in the effort to develop social intelligence skills, to be part of a collective intelligence. Because everyone has obviously their own values, preferences. And if we want to have effective collaboration and communication practices, 
together, especially in the digital age, we need to develop more understanding, more awareness of how we function, of how other functions, and how we can make it work, and not change our personality, but do make an effort to adapt our behaviors to the context. So this is one way you can look at it. And again, Maria, I'm using a lot of assumptions based on my own experience, based on my knowledge and insights, really apply it to how it fits you. Perhaps you feel triggered because inclusion is a core value for you, feeling appreciated in what you do for your skill set, for your knowledge. And when your boss tells you you're too emotional, it feels as if it denies all those things. And this is where you also should become aware because if you're going to communicate with your boss from an emotional side, meaning that your emotions, your, your triggered emotions keep popping up, then perhaps it's going to be difficult to change or to manage your boss as well in this way. So use the self-regard tool in the first floor to become more aware. What is the root cause? How do I feel? And then you can also make more informed decisions, communicate from a place of clarity. Now, when you take the second floor, and the second floor is important in this case, because when you look at it from his map of the world, and again, I'm making assumptions, I'm going to use an example of both unintentional and intentional. You mentioned that he always asks for more details, for more numbers. There are people who make decisions based on a lot of data. It's not uncommon, especially in STEM, very much in the rational part of the brain. And it's difficult to be in our rational part of the brain and in our emotive part of the brain at the same time. It's difficult to manage other people's emotions if we have never learned how, if our nervous system has never been sensitized to it. So you can only imagine if you put yourself in his map of the world, having someone in front of him that expresses emotions or is in her or his, if it's a man, emotive part of the brain, it feels quite uncomfortable. And what do we do when we feel quite uncomfortable? We go in our stress response, some in lower intensity, others in higher intensity. So become aware of his map of the world, that maybe in his map of the world, he just doesn't know how to deal with this. It feels very uncomfortable. So the shortcut, the easy way is to say, it's your fault, you're too emotional. So this is an example of unintentional, right, as a coping mechanism. Obviously, it's also possible that it's intentional. So specifically, it also happened to me and clients I work where they are specifically targeted because the relationship is not going well. And then microaggressions are used to reduce their performance, make them look, put them in the bad spotlight until the problem or the person goes away, which unfortunately happens. And this is more toxic leadership, toxic environment, which needs to be addressed at the highest level. I think we can do a lot ourselves. But if it's not addressed at the highest level, the, it will perpetrate a, a culture of, of toxicity. So keep in mind, applying empathy at the second uh, floor, how does his map look? And then I invite you to take the elevator, hop on the elevator or hopping the elevator, the third floor. And the third floor is a great tool in this case to look at it from a neutral objective perspective. 
So imagine yourself in your, just visualize the scenario, not from your map of the world or his map of the world, but just as if you are looking at it from at a TV or from the sideline. And notice how you, your body language, notice how you behave, and also notice the impact on his body language and how he behaves. It will give you a lot of clarity and information of your own behavior in this, in this case. How do you communicate with confidence? Or perhaps how do you communicate with lack of confidence, which actually gives in to his act of using verbal microaggression? And often it's subconsciously. Over 90% of our behavior is driven subconsciously. We're not aware of it. So the first biggest step to change is becoming aware, not judging ourselves, becoming curious and becoming aware. Ah, I didn't know I was standing with my shoulders low and feeling very small and feeling perhaps inferior or feeling perhaps attacked or victimized. Or perhaps I am standing really tall and also projecting an aggressive behavior. And I'm not saying that this is your case, Maria. What I'm saying is to become honest and aware and look at your own behavior and how it actually plays into the communication. 70% of communication is nonverbal. And how his behavior or his body language and words impact you. Gives you a lot of information from a observer from a neutral perspective. So these are the three most important floors. If you can also go on the fourth floor, the fourth floor can give you insights from a team perspective to also discern whether this is intentional or not intentional. Is he acting like this with all of the team or is it only with you specifically or with specific types of people or personalities? So look at it from a team perspective as well. How, how does this look like in a team dynamic and what impact does it have? Now that you have looked at your challenge from these different floors, these different perspectives, it will give you more clarity. So how can, what practical EQ, emotional intelligence strategies you can use? I'll give you two. The first one is a meta-modeling, which is a way of questioning, asking specific questions. So from a non-defensive place, because when people feel defensive, they tend to go into attack mode or shut down. So when we come from a place of judgment, when we come from a place of emotions, it, people pick up on it usually. And this is what makes them defensive. And I'm speaking here in general terms, obviously. This is why using the first floor, the EQ tool of self-regard, is essential in coming from a place of clarity. And then you can ask questions that go into more depth because we are all functioning most of the time in our system one of the brain. If you haven't, uh, I will link a book from Daniel Kahneman who explains this in a lot of detail. You don't necessarily have to agree with everything he says, but he did get a Nobel Prize and he explains really very simple, uh, fascinating terms how our different system one which is uh, uh, more shortcut mental models. System two, which takes much more mental energy and goes into depth. So we tend to be a lot in our system one because of our the external environment, the pressures, the competing responsibilities. And we use shortcut mental models. We use bias as uh, in a way to save energy and uh, help people to become aware of the impact of their words is by asking specific questions from a place of curiosity. And when you clear your own mind, when you come from a place of clarity, it is much more effective. 
So examples can say, ah, thank you for sharing. I'm curious, what specifically do you mean with emotional? To emotional, can you give me an example? And interesting that you say that. I feel that I am highlighting point X, Y, and Z from this perspective. It's interesting you see it as emotional. Can you perhaps elaborate? Now, two things will happen, or they still will feel defensive and maybe deflect, not go into more depth. At least they will, you will have planted a seed in their mind to think about it. And the other thing is not to give up because you're not going to change the way you communicate or the way the collaboration with your boss in one day. It's not a quick fix. It is something which you can commit to is to consistently use meta modeling, asking more specific questions whenever uh, you feel that he is using verbal microaggression. This is when it's unintentional. If it's intentional, there are different measures, obviously, because if you're specifically targeted, then only asking meta modeling questions won't necessarily work. And then you need to look into your company's policies, processes that exist when it comes to enforcing diversity and inclusion and mitigating the risk or mitigating the behavior of using verbal microaggression. The other thing you can do is when I also work with my clients is if you are low on assertiveness, if you are conflict avoidant, you feel great discomfort when you need to confront someone. In the moment, it's going to feel very difficult to ask these questions without feeling emotional, without feeling discomfort. So one technique you can use is you can bring someone to mind you admire for their qualities of confidence, for their qualities of being detached, but still very firm. Whatever it is that you want, the emotional resources you need in this situation. And then you see yourself, at, first you see this person handling this scenario from their map of the room you again use the, the the visualization technique you pick up on what are the things that you want to try out as well it's called borrowing behavior and then you see yourself you really visualize yourself doing those behaviors and and look how visualizing your mind how does it feel like how you will act it gives you a lot of information many people refer to this as fake it as you make it but actually it is learning new ways of behaving. It's difficult to learn new habits. It's even more difficult to unlearn new habits. So this is a process of growth mindset. So these are the two techniques you can use. Uh, first, meta-modeling, asking specific questions from a place of clarity. This is why you need to clear your mind first and look at it from different perspectives. And then the second one is uh, not fake it until you make it. I don't like to use that expression. Well, borrowing behaviors. So look at someone, bring someone to mind you admire for these qualities, and then see and visualize yourself adopting those qualities and speaking it from uh, that perspective with your boss. It will give you the emotional resources you need in case you are conflict avoidant. This was today's episode. I hope, Maria, it will be useful of you. You can check out more resources at my website, privateeq.com. I also have a one-on-one -on -one EQ Elevator coaching sessions for STEM leaders and senior professionals who struggle with this people aspect of digitalization challenges and want to use this technique on a personal level. You can also find that information on my website. If you want to be have access to the EQ Elevator guide with reflection prompts and uh, more in-depth strategies, 
sign up to my newsletter. A link is below. In a few weeks, I will share access detail to the EQ Leadership Community, where all the episodes with the guides will be available for those who are part of the EQ Leadership Community. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to next Tuesday for another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.